0: David Miller, um, have you seen Withnail and I? I have, yeah, it's one of my
1: favourite films, it's got to be in the top five.
0: So the best line in Withnail and I is, we've gone on holiday by mistake, yeah? Or by accident or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This is us podcasting by accident, really, isn't it? A little bit. This is completely. Not not by design. (laughs) No.
1: It was kind of desire from my point, because I was thinking, we've been a bit, sort of, well, I've perhaps been a bit ad hoc and you, we've been all over the place and Pete is so madly busy and you've been all over the place and I thought I missed just talking about the bike race
0: yeah yeah and
1: I kind of you know and I've been watching a bit and felt like we should wrap the classics up a little bit after Liège today because that is a, a, in, in many ways the official end to the start of the
0: year it it's is, done. yeah. I think it might be the first Liège-Bastogne-Liège I've actually sat down and watched the whole thing. I, I, because I, mm. I kind of, I do tend to lose a little bit of interest in the. I in, saw your tweets time, about that. Do you? Can you identify with that at all, or not? Or do you, are you just? <laughs> no, I think I,
1: I'm still still fixed on the pro cyclist calendar. My whole life still revolves around that that the sort of type. My whole every year, even though I'm what nine years out. My calendar year No, you're, not. No, you're I, not. Nine Are you years not? out. Nine years out. 2014 that's was my last year racing.
0: Okay, that's really surprising. Nearly a decade. My God. So nearly a decade
1: into post-racing life, and still I see the calendar year as the racing season. It's...
0: Yeah, I, I, I do as well. But I, in all honesty, I don't. I don't appreciate the Ardennes Classics as much as I appreciate other points in the year. I I just get so excited for the Cobble Classics. I think mm. they're more done, you know. Um, and even today, I thought it was it was a little bit formulaic as well. Well, to
1: be honest with you, I was so excited, and I think probably everybody was about that. And that's the only reason you were watching. Completely was, was for the kind of the death match. It was like like Foreman versus Ali. You know, you're kind of like this is going to be the big one. This is the the heavyweights going to actually they're going to punch it out. And he crashed out, the poor old boy. Tare, who never rarely yeah. crashes. What was his his teammate who double punctured? Is the rumor or something? Oh,
0: what in front of him? And he just yeah, went, or went somebody oh. double,
1: Yeah, and then that's that's just something that's surfing around the internet. But yeah, it, it's yeah. something like that. But it, like, so when I turned it on, we had we had friends over. Um, family over and Chris who is not at all into cycling but loves sports I kind of had liaised on in the background the whole time and was kind of dipping in and out to watch it and told him a little bit about Tadej Pogacar and Remco Evenepoel. and kind of the wind went out my sails when Tade when I read that Tade had crashed out early on yeah and I was kind yeah. of like then we watched it and I kind of just told him exactly what's going to happen because
0: yeah it was going to yeah. happen
1: like that wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and yeah. Remco
1: was going to do exactly what he did before. And I sent you because we we often stay in comms, you, me and Pete during races. Yeah. Um, we're all watching and, and giving our little bits of input. Um and kind of it suddenly felt I said to you, the whole of the classics campaign has felt like commentating on mountain stages. I don't think I've ever seen a classics campaign where it's I mean, it's a bit we've been complaining for years that it's been a bit kind of weird, the racing, and, you know, when they changed the Flanders course, and everyone's complaining about that, and then they were changing Milan-San Remo a few times, and now all of a sudden, we've got the most insane racing, and I'm finding a way to complain about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, that's. But you're only. I think you're only complaining about it because you 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 sympathise and empathise with the commentators. That's exactly the it. Po- that's exactly the, it. Po- the point. The yeah. point being, it is quite hard to 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 call home a race for thirty kilometres when the outcome is is decided in a, in an instant, like it was today. And it's a little um, bit hard to but, watch. And it's a very. Hard, I think it is hard to watch. Um. So I mean, well, yeah, you're right, aren't you? Because Pagaccia won Flanders. Machiavanderpool, Vanderpool. I mean, that was so close to the finish line on the Poggio in that Milan, was the San perfect Remo. San Remo, to be fair. That was that was a perfect San Remo. It was the, literally the perfect San Remo. Machiavanderpool's Vanderpool's win in Roubaix. Yeah, the, we're talking about the men's peloton now. Come on to the women's racing, um, and then and then at the Amstel Gold Race. I mean, the difference was with Pogaccia's series of victories. I thought his win at Flesch on did you see that oh I watched
1: that as well but only after you'd said because I'd actually forgot I was, I'd been out doing stuff and then I watched it afterwards and I it was, god this is again this just goes to show the standard of Pogac you felt that he had to actually ride cautiously
0: yeah uh, it was a different race win from almost yeah. any other race win I've seen him but it, he executed it with a degree of kind of restraint and patience yeah. um and then you know, uh, <laughs> astonishing ability. Just when everybody, he picks the moment. He's got this kind of sense of when everybody is absolutely done, and he just mm. he's got he knows he can just turn it up another notch, and that's all he needed to do. Yeah. So close to the finish line at Fleshwell on, and it was absolutely unanswerable. But I was expecting yeah. him to go way, way, way earlier on that climb.
1: Yeah, like you're kind of expecting to just put like, on the show.
0: It was, yeah. uh, it was super, it was, that was super cool, actually. I enjoyed that. But, I mean, the rest of the race was 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 very formulaic. But, I mean, there's not, I don't know what there is to say about Remco. It was gutting that we didn't see the head-to-head today. I absolutely agree with you. I felt completely cheated. And one aspect of it, of the, the way that um, uh, Sudal, what are they called? We've got to get Sud- this right for the... Uh, Sudal Al- Quickstep. Al- thank you. Sud- Sudal no, quickstep. no, Sudal Quickstep. quickstep, <laughs> Sudal. quickstep. <laughs> Sudal Quickstep. Is it? You know. oh, oh my God! I've literally forgotten what they're called. Um, um, uh, one aspect of the way they w- raced as a team today—I'd be quite interested in your opinion on this. So I was quite surprised. He's clearly not going anything like as well as he was a couple of years ago because of the injuries and mm. you know various setbacks. But the way Philippe raced today—you d- know—he he got on the front early. He was one of the first. You know, after Peter Serry. He w- he did a huge amount of work on the front mm. and, and basically expended himself quite early on in the race, relatively speaking. He wasn't there in the final mm. at all. Do you think, David, that if Pogacar had still been in the race, um, Alaphilippe would have been used up like that? Or do you think they would have had to um, do something a bit more expansive tactically? To try and put Pogacar uh, to isolate Pogacar and put him under pressure. So, do you think mm-hmm. had Pogacar actually been there, Alaphilippe would have attacked and 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 tried to get away? You know, when Jan Tratnik yeah. attacked, he would have been straight um, on that wheel and off the front and going with that move to make it difficult for Pogacar, wouldn't he? Uh, Maybe, would, but I also think, like a rider of Alaphilippe's caliber and
1: and obviously self awareness, he knew what he could and couldn't do. Yeah. So, so he'd have said, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this bit." Because I'm not going to be able to help you on Laradute. Because that, that's all I've got. Yeah, yeah, that's all I've got. I can't help you on Laradute, and I don't trust myself. We'd be, which is very humble of him as well. Yeah. So kind of a, didn't go for the hero pool, didn't gamble yeah. it to even just do 100 meters or 200 meters. He kind of made the call. Look, this is where I can actually help the team. Is here yeah. and yeah. So which, and you know what? Credit to him because he didn't even really have to go to Liège. Yeah. You know, because he's had a pretty rough start to the year. His next goal is getting ready for the tour, but it was a relatively late call-up in a way. He said he wanted to go, I think, to help Remco, to help the team. So yeah. he went there, and knowing that he wasn't, it wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to be heroic. He wasn't going to be able, like this. The, the the what do you call that? The the MVP the kind of yeah, he wasn't yeah. going to deliver the star assist move that was going to set it up but he knew he yeah. could contribute better than kind of a lot of the other guys in the team so hats off to him and i think it goes to show them his maturity and and i guess again we've often spoken about that team there was probably a sense of we've got to save our start to the year and yeah. even though i'm kind of a, i'm not that good at the moment i know i can help somewhere in the race and so yeah, he's, he's yeah. gone and done that um, but that's only because, and, and regards Pogac, I don't know what have, would have happened if he'd been there. Cause I think whatever happened, they were waiting for du. you know, so it would have been perhaps I equally state, like a, they'd have wanted it to be together, both teams UAE and let's just call them Sudal, um, <laughs> Sudal Quickstep, Sudal <laughs> step, Sudal Quickstep, <laughs> Sudal Quickstep, <laughs> Sudal Quickstep, <laughs> <Sudau> quickstep. <laughs> <Sudau> quickstep <laughs> wanted there to be kind of the race to begin there. So, probably yeah. UAE and uh, Sudar Quickstep would have worked together just to make sure they could leave their two champions to battle it out from there on in. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was, but I mean, watching Remco on Laridu, it was just wild how kind of easy he was making it. It was almost as if he did do that first little attack and then it kind of mm. his chain jumped or something and then he pulled back in again mm. and then decided to. Who was his teammate who did an amazing. He-
0: Elan van Wilder, yeah. yeah,
1: That was an an amazing ride up there.
0: It it almost felt like um, van Wilder exceeded their expectations of how how far up that climb he went, which then in turn dictated a slight like, spontaneous twist in their tactics in in that Remco then didn't take a race-winning gap over the top of the Redoute and it it played out slightly differently. And it was at that point that I messaged you saying, why did he leave it so late? You know, that was a curiosity Mm. because he clearly could have just exploded. He could have decimated it. He could have gone and Then he, kind of, he, he almost, he didn't try and get rid of Pidcock at that point. He was quite happy for Pidcock to try and get across. And actually, when you look back at the moment where he attacks Pidcock and mm. that's it, and the race is won, mm. uh, th- that's, that's, a, that's a moment of two phases. And he didn't really realize it at the time. But the first bit is Pidcock just goes, I can't. I'm not riding <laughs> with you. I'm not, that's it. I'm just, I can't. And and he actually drops away, and I don't think Remco in, in that in, in that instant knows what's happened. And then he yeah. looks around, checks, and then he attacks him. But he's already actually gone, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's quite interesting. It wasn't, you know, Pidcock didn't didn't get distanced because of a, a second attack by Remco. He just got distanced because Remco. Just, well, Remco just didn't could. even notice that he dropped him at first. <laughs> yes. So
1: so Remco had made his kind of his move, which in hindsight was almost. I'll just accelerate to on Lara By any standards, it was a big move, but it, he didn't look like he was going that deep. He didn't, Pidcock was able to get back to him. And then yeah. Pidcock immediately, as you said, just decided, I, and the right thing, I'm not, I was explaining this to my friend Chris as well. It's like, you're not going to ride with Remco. There's no way. Yes, it's just a waste of time. And, uh, and then they hit that little false flat and Pidcock couldn't hold the wheel. And and it was, in, and Remco didn't notice until there's yeah. about 10 meters. Yeah. And he looked under his arm
0: and was like, oh, okay. And yeah. was, then he put 20 seconds into it about 500 <laughs> meters. <laughs> yeah, then he, then he attacked nothing. It was brilliant. It was <laughs> like an, you... a ghost attack. So like, oh, oh, there's no rider on my wheel. There's no one around me. I'll attack. <laughs> um, and <laughs> so it, it was yeah. pretty
1: impressive. It was just really impressive. And I didn't, um, there's some of because it was listening to Rob Hatch and Adam Blythe. um, mm. And I really enjoyed their commentary today. It was really good. Really, yeah, really good. Like, it's and just great to listen to them. And some of the stats were were brilliant. Like the fact that a world champion hadn't won since '87. Yeah, you know, even Ala Philippe nearly did two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, we posted it too early, but and then the the last back to back was Bartoli in 25 years ago. And That's crazy, isn't and it? And it's like Remco's just making a back to back just look simples in the yeah. age. It's yeah and uh, yeah i mean i it's it's this is i mean you were just saying before we were talking about this and we were talking about Walt Art, it's what's amazing about kind of we've been waxing lyrical about Pogachar and this is why we wanted this kind of death match between the two of them is to kind of see what it was like yeah. when Pogachar had his match but then all of a sudden Remco does that and you're like oh Pogatra looks quite human compared to Remco
0: i, I mean but all throughout you know but all throughout if you think back to Stradi Bianchi as the unofficial monument and then Milan San Remo after that, all throughout the classics campaign, the one day race block. Um, that, that our understanding of who is the dominant rider has been flip-flopping, and which yeah. is the dominant rivalry, which is the defining rivalry of our age. And now all of a sudden, we're talking about two completely different riders, literally, than ha- when it all began. Because yeah. going into Stradi Bianchi, we were talking about Mathieu van der Poel against Wout van Aert. here we mm. go, sort of round <laughs> five or whatever. And, and van Aert, it's been like, who? Yeah. Like one win, the E3 Saxo Classic or whatever it's called these days, that's it. And then, and then you know, a couple of podiums for sure. But, you know, he hasn't been the serial success that you'd mm. expect from him. And he's dropped it away. And then it was all about Watt Van Aert and then Pogaccia. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Machi van der Poel and Pogaccia as the defining rivalry. And then all of a sudden, van der Poel drops away. Remco comes in and no, that's the, this is the big one. <laughs> After all, it's yeah, nuts. It's, it's nuts. Propr- it's properly
1: nuts. And you feel, I feel, I feel for Pigcock. Because, you know, the ride he did at Strada Bianchi was, in normal, normal bike racing was amazing. You know, that yeah. was, but then it gets, it just evaporates from what Mathieu van der Poel then does in San Remo. But then that yeah. evaporates when Pogaccia yeah. does Flanders. yeah, And then Pogaccia then carries that through, but then Remco comes and it's like, <laughs> now everything's evaporated because Remco's is just making a mockery of everybody.
0: It's brilliant, um, David. <laughs> but it makes. But going back to the, like the starting point of this discussion, that makes me feel a bit sad for um, Julian Alaphilippe mm. because uh, it's it, it can it's hap, it happens quickly to some riders' careers, doesn't it? Well, look at Peter Without, Sagan. The last the Sagan. last I
1: seen of Peter Sagan was him on his hands and knees crawling off the pave into a yeah. ditch. Yeah, and you know that kind of sums up the 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 sad. We've spoken about it many times. The the decline and fall is very quick yeah you know and, for, and what's it what's interesting with cycling at the moment though is that the what would be the opposites decline and for the ascent and 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 rise <laughs> the same thing mm. but uh, of is is so quickly they're, they're mm. kind of coming on to the kind of the world stage so quickly as young riders mm. but we're not it's a while yet to we'll see them falling off but peter sagan did the same and then that decline seems to go on for ages. It st- mm. happens really quickly and then it just drags on. And yeah. we've seen it with Peter Sagan and I, I mean, I really hope that not we haven't seen the last of Philippe. but it's looking kind of already that that's begun for him.
0: It's hard to imagine another really big race win, isn't it? You could yeah. see him You could see him getting in a break in the Tour de France in a transitional day and, yeah. and, 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 and nicking a win against slightly more modest opposition. But he's, it doesn't feel like he's, he's going to be putting away any of these big hitters anytime mm-hmm. soon on any type of parkour. And do you know what? Maybe that makes sense because... You know, you from time to time. I don't even know who your favorite rider is at the moment. I'm guessing it's Remco because he's about, you know, back, back yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. But you know, if I'd asked you a couple of weeks ago, it would have been <laughs> Matthew Vanderpool. Or <laughs> well, <it's a> San <laughs> after San Remo, after San Remo. But, still, but you there. know, you know that my favorite rider for years and years and years was Julian Alaphilippe. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. and and um, it does make sense in a way that of all these because his, his his amazing success. Slightly predates the rest of them by a couple of years, mm. you know. He, twenty nineteen, he opens the up bridge. This, he's the bridge, isn't he? From Sagan, yeah. you know, Sagan yeah. to this generation, mm-hmm. you know, the the the, the 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 two or three years of Alaphilippe being insane, yeah, were wonderful, and they kind of started in twenty nineteen at the Tour de France. Mm. Uh, but it kind of makes sense that of all these different riders with all these different characteristics, he's the one to burn himself out quickest, right? Because yeah, he's that's like, true. he's like he was a burning, straw he fire. Brightly. He was burning he brightly. brightly. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like he's just his career was just kindling wood, right? Uh, it was just like, <laughs> like that, uh, but it ain't gonna last for very long, is it? No. You can't ride with that kind of emotion and that kind of yeah.
1: And what's interesting it, uh, when you think kind of the way Ala Philippe was racing was so exciting because it wasn't, it was, and this is it's quite hard to explain, but the racing was always by like the edge of your seat stuff. You know, it was complete. just he'd just be <laughs> yeah. just be pulling it off. Yeah. But he'd just be pulling it off, off often. You know, and yeah. they weren't it wasn't like what we're seeing more and more is forty minutes from the finish or an hour from the finish, they're gone. Yeah, he didn't he didn't win like that yeah. really very yeah. often.
0: He did a few like that, didn't he? A
1: few, not so many though. They were often Jesse's really I mean when he won the worlds so that was relatively far, but other than that they were they tend there was to have five stage- K's, ten K's to go.
0: Yeah, there was that stage, I think off the top of my head, there was that stage, a couple of stages in the Tour de France that he won. Did he win into Le Grand Bernard? I think he might have done, but he also won that stage... Uh, um, with that final climb and that descent into some, oh
1: yeah, uh, where's that's where Yates crashed behind
0: where Yates Yates yeah. just simply just didn't want to yeah no this it. is crazy because and, and Julian Alaphilippe kind of like punk waited it it. kind yeah. of didn't really didn't was he going to wait or right. not and like that was that's quite a long right. range one but you're right yeah. it was skin of the teeth stuff with uh, and with it's Alaphilippe almost a lot and it's almost as if that was the the last of that style of
1: racing like it's in that bridge where yeah. it was kind of we'd even with Sagan you know it would be kind of in brakes, but he could win almost always in a sprint from the breakaways. Mm. And what's interesting with, you have Mathieu van der Poel and Wout van Aert who are just next level, kind of raise the classics game if you like. But what's so strange is the fact that Tadej Pogacar is now coming in and matching them. <sighs> and even, just, and even you know, pumping them. And yeah. and then Remco is the same. And it's a, this is what I find so interesting about this new generation, this new cycling. Is that it's gone full circle back to the Merckx days, where the yeah. Tour de France winners can win the classics. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's this idea where there's been this kind of self-imposed limitation on riders, mm. and it was stopped, mm. it's been self-imposed because they've been told you can't or mm. it's not possible. And let's face it, and this is what I find bonkers about Tadej Pogatra as well. You know, he's got a good gig winning the Tour de France and going for that, and, and winning the Grand Tours. And yet he's seeing Matthew van der Poel and Wout van Aert kind of, you know, they're just these beasts. And he's thought, ah, I can probably take them on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might give it a go. Yeah, they can't be beat. They can't be unbeatable, surely. And yeah. it's like, well, can't we just focus on the tour, Danny? It's like, yeah. no, I want to go and get, like give them a good yeah. race. And that's just it's mind-bending because I think and, and hats off to the team management as well and kind of the sponsors for, for indulging him yeah. and for, for going with it yeah because that wouldn't have been yeah. permitted in the past it's like look our sponsorship our whole team exists because of your Tour de France victories we're, we all are, are making a good living right now because mm. of how well we're doing at the Tour and yeah. yet he's kind of the, the fact that he's such a bike racer and he, he doesn't he's definitely somebody who doesn't believe in the word impossible, has thought, I'll go and take on Mathieu van der Poel and Wout van Aert on their terrain. And you think, damn, and that's, and I think then, that then lifts the whole kind of, the attitude of the whole peloton and all these young riders coming through because it's, they're, they're seeing that and that's their new idol and icon. It's kind mm. of, well, he just goes and does what he wants. Mm, mm, and it mm. does mean it must be possible. And yeah. it, and it, and I, th- I think on the last couple of pods ago, it's, it's also that idea that, and this is where Remco is going to be really interesting with him because he seems to have a, a different physiology to Tari Pogacar's, but equally as devastating. There's something I can't quite put my finger on what's different. I mean, I think perhaps it's just aesthetically. Yeah, Remco, I, I've I think never seen...
0: I, I'm i just like his white shorts that yeah. he wore today kind of emphasized his physique a little bit uh, Especially when he was on his own and the and the mm. camera was sort of behind him I haven't really ever seen a, a physical specimen like Remco even it's a pretty really solid because isn't he? he's, he's chunky yeah. He could like in another universe be a sprinter. Yeah, like completely. Uh, it's He's really he's really unlike physiologically just to look at he's not like quite muscular he's muscle yeah, not he? he is yeah, yeah, yeah you're it's, exactly right you, you he could
1: very well be a sprinter you know yeah. A philipson yeah and, and again and, and that's what i find so interesting about this kind of modern cycling is that physiologies are also different yeah you know, they're kind of their sizes their 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 abilities the different the kind of arsenal of of choices they have for what yeah. they do and yeah. And Remco's—it's—it's it's the way he can just ride people off his wheel. I yeah. mean, even Pogacar does it, but it, it looks animated, doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah, yeah, like, I yeah. Mean, yeah. And he—and he, and he's always got those sort of those double, triple accelerations, Tadi Pogacar. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Remco just kind of winds it up. Yeah, it's just like, and he's more t- often than not, he's just riding people off
0: his wheel. Yeah, it's like
1: what that's, the hell is that?
0: That's why. That's why this. You know when when he does go to the Tour de France next year, which surely to goodness he will. Yeah, that's gonna be, you know, <laughs> that that just throws another. You know, if we've still got Vingegaard and Pogacar as the dominant tour riders mm. for next year, and then you throw Remco into the mix, that's just going to be. And it's funny that we haven't mentioned Vingegaard in any yeah. of this up till now. I know, and you he's know, been because nice. he's exactly the bad start to the year. He's done great, hasn't he? He's done fine. Yeah, he's done fine. Much better um, than last year. Hat tip, massive hat tip to Demi Follering as well for achieving the, the triple, triple uh, wow. uh, that, that eluded uh, Pogacar in the Ardennes. Um, but yeah. it was a. I thought the women's race was way more interesting than the men's race today. I mean, oh, you know, uh, it. it was it was it was super good. And uh, I, I just the the, the the teammate of Demi following the, the Swiss rider Marlon Roycer, who was in the early break of the day. That was a really powerful break, and then destroyed them and attacked. And with about Thirty kilometre, twenty five kilometres to go. Had over one and a half minutes, and she is the best time trialist in the world at the moment. But, but I thought the way that she and they and following and that team understood the tactics and their their DS is Anna van der Breggen, mm. um, uh I thought they just. Made a mockery of the opposition, actually, (laughs) who couldn't really do anything about it, ultimately. But it was such intuitive racing. And the way that they coordinated who went and when. And by by, Mm. the time those two groups came back together again, it's super impressive. And Marlon Royser is the subject of uh, an an essay which is being written for the Roadbook this year by a Dutch journalist called uh, Marlon De Vries who um, has written a brilliant uh, feature on Marlon Royce because she's one of the most interesting bike racers I've ever sort of come across. She's a virtuoso standard violinist. Oh, she's wow. a qualified qualified doctor and she's a member of the Green Party. Oh, <laughs> she's got okay. a lot going on. Ticking boxes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's super yeah. interesting. And um, I think, you know, if we're summing up the uh, the, the the women's uh, classics campaign as well, I think that the Vollerings you know through the the cobbled classics and uh and into the Ardennes, volering has been the dominant rider, but finishing in a one two in uh in the tour of um in the tour of Flanders with Lottie Capecchi. Mm. Uh, and Lottie Capecchi's, well, I think we touched on it before that personal story of her losing her brother yeah. so recently. Um, just incredible, yeah. So that's mm. that was um that was a classic, but a couple of little details, David. Um, from from today's race, from uh, the men's Liège-Bastogne-Liège, is well the outstanding detail of of, of the year so far. The, the unexpected breakthrough rider of the year so far is oh, Ben Healy. Healy.
1: Whoa, yeah, isn't it? He's that thats unexpected. Like, uh, and do you know what? But weren't you going to say that, that didn't? Does Pete know much about him? From yeah, Trinity.
0: yeah. Pete, <laughs> Yes, although I think Ben had before moved his before on his time, yeah. just by by year. Oh, yeah. he may have raced for him last year. But I remember a couple of things about Ben Healy that strike me. I remember commentating with Blisey, um on the Tour of Britain, which is the year before you joined me on mm. the Tour of Britain. And um, Ben Healy was at that race aged 21, I think, with Tom Gloag, who's now gone up to oh, yeah. race at World Tour level as well. They room together they, they share a flat in Girona they're very good mates okay. and they were at the Tour of Britain which was a heavyweight Tour of Britain right it was the year where um, oh
1: Wout Van Aert and Valafleet were smashing each other
0: We're smashing each other it was a yeah. really sort of like high level yeah. Tour of Britain it was an incredible but so they didn't have any big GC aspirations and they mm. only had a real outside chance of a, of a stage win really um, but they kept, as, a, as the two of them kept disrupting the race day after mm. day. They would just chip off the front as a little two-up attack from Trinity Racing and Healy, who's tiny, isn't he? He's, He's tiny. He car- looks characteristic tiny. Characteristic position of like, his, his head Slightly goes off to twisted. the left, doesn't he? Yeah, Quite twisted on the bike. But he looked so strong, and like I kind of made a mental note of him then, and then mm. noted that he'd moved up to EF this year. And then I was watching again. Don't often watch these because I don't think they're normally televised. But I was watching at the end of January one of the Mallorca Classic Series races. Oh yeah, this this year, the Trofeo Calvia, and Healy was in the break in the breakaway with Rui Costa and mm. Kevin Fafaka. Ugh, and horrible. and um, they were going to get caught. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were definitely going to get caught um, by the bunch, uh, a, re- a reduced bunch. They're quite a hilly hilly races, yeah, those, yeah, aren't, aren't they? they yeah. Anyway, um, Healy did this thing where, as as it like uh, they're approaching the final kilometer and they only had a handful of seconds to play with, they just about had a tiny chance of, of holding on. Healy just sat on the front and just, just like basically buried any chance that he would have of winning the stage. But he just sat on the front of this group of of two other riders, and at the time I thought what's he doing that for? He's just going to mm. get like, he's just towing them to the line and yeah. handing Rui Costa the victory, which is then what happened, yeah? So he finished third in that group of three. And then and then they held on by one second from the, huh. the chase. And as the dust settled, I thought that was super smart because Healy had made the calculation in that split second of, I've never had a top 10 ever in my professional career to date. Huh. I can either mess around with the other guys here and finish uh, 25th, yeah, because yeah. we're gonna get caught, or I can, I, or I can get third yeah. by sacrificing my chances of the win and holding on for third. This is such a perfect, I've been thinking and that about is, game I theory. Thought, I thought racer, that's a racer. Yeah,
1: like, and you know, I always go on about kind of how cycling, pro cycling is so much game theory and this idea where you there's the kind of zero sum game where in breakaways often you get to that zero sum moment which is what that was it's either win or lose there's like there's nothing yep. else and often yep. people throw away cuz they, they go into that they're no longer you and he didn't want the zero yeah he decided he said you know what i'm not playing a non zero game i'm going to play just a, a, a zero, basically a non zero sum game which means yep. that i'm going to get third I'll, I'll, I'll take sacrifice to it. it. But I'll take that better than nothing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and that's often in breakaways. Like for Rio Costa, he bases all the majority of times in, he's in breakaways. He'll play the kind of the zero sum. Yeah,
0: totally. He, he just doesn't
1: care. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to work. And I don't care. He's Rio Costa. You. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like, <laughs> so that's exactly.
1: So it's really interesting. Because that's a perfect example of somebody going, you know what? I'm not going to play a zero sum game. I'm going to go for third and I'll just get third is better than nothing. And as you said, that's just good racing. And it's just uh, but it's rational. not often you see
0: it. it's rational in the moment yeah. and it's not. It's yeah. just not. F- I don't. I don't remember seeing that before. You know. Yeah. I mean, sure. I'm sure I have, and it's kind mm. of a, the detail of it has eluded me. But it was really apparent in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it was his first race of the year. It was the end of January, mm. and he's gone on now to achieve nine top tens. Um, he finished just outside the the, the podium today in Liège. He was in fourth. He was rolled by um, Pidcock and Buitrago. Um but. You know, second in the Amstel gold race, second in Brabant's second appeal.
1: In Amstel. Jeez. Yeah. I mean,
0: and two wins as well. Yeah. He's taken the um, uh, two wins Italians. in Italy.
1: Yeah, Italian races. I mean, it's, it's and what's really interesting about it is he has to race the way he does because he's got, he couldn't sprint his way out of a wet brown paper bag. As so we saw it, today. So yeah. he's got to ride aggressively. And it's yeah. almost like that, as you said, that kind of, and again, so exactly going back to the, the Mallorca, he was going to get third in the sprint anyway. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's kind of, he's just, he's rational, that's just rational racing. So, but that also does lead to his very aggressive, because the way he was racing today, he was so, just not giving up, you know, at times it just looked like, whoa, that looks, I mean, it looks, that was, what was interesting as well, behind Remco, it looked so hard.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, like, yeah, everyone yeah. was just on their hands and knees. I think kind of, Blithe Blithe said that in the commentary, yeah. didn't he? At one <laughs> yeah, point, he it said, "And everyone is just there's nothing. That's all I've got." Yeah, I think that was <laughs> a phrase he used. They realised that's all I've got. <laughs> no, also, it. So, it's a, and who was the Lotto? Well, the, the guy that went in the hedge.
1: Oh, hedge! The hedge, <laughs> hedge. It was Andreas Krohn, hedge guy. Hedge guy, we that loved was, that, didn't we? We loved that. So he must have punctured and young clips and he was just like lost control of the bike and just veered off into somebody's hedge and just disappeared into it. Beautiful hedge, by his, the way. His
0: feet, his feet, or just one foot, was sticking out of that. No, but what was best for a while, was there was so just one good. foot,
1: and it was just a one foot, yeah. all the people were coming across, and there was no sign of movement. You know, it was just like, but then all of a sudden you just saw a second foot come up and sit comfortably next to the first one. Like he was like, you know what? I'm just staying down. It's done. I'm out. It was like I just got the best get out of jail free card ever because he was, he was pinned on the wheels behind Remco. Oh. Was like, but that was beautiful. That was just pro cycle one hundred one. Oh, front
0: ga- front garden crashes are absolutely the best because it's the random group of people that are trying to help as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: uh, so you've got a pro cyclist in your front hedge just <laughs> Refusing to get up you Did know. it ever happen
0: to you? Did you ever Did you ever visit a, no, a front guard? I,
1: I have prayed at times to kind of just You know, on a, and that's why I kind of said I've just stayed <laughs> down. A blighty,
0: it's a blighty wound from the Yeah, no, no, completely ball, The blighty is
1: like the amount of times You're in that sort of line out and There's nothing you can do And you just uh, i just rather go down You've just got to find a soft landing Just take it <laughs> <laughs> it was like nice one.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah, that was that that was that was really, really good. Um, so that's it. So, so how long have you got till you leave for the Giro? Uh about ten days, I think, yeah. Oof. Oh this is this is good. I was this is good. this is great. You'll love this. This is so Giro d'Italia, yeah. Um the <laughs> the race starts in Abruzzo. Um so uh over halfway down the peninsula, off to the on the right hand side of the of the of the country. Um but the Giro, to save a bit of money, <laughs> oh god! they, they um, I mean, put this in context, right? I actually work for the race, you know, because World yeah. Feed, are literally employed by essentially Mauro Venier and RCS and the mm. Giro d'Italia. So I'm a functionary, like, but yeah. unlike the Tour de France, which is big, right? The numbers of RCS staff at the Giro d'Italia is just off the scale. <laughs> I, 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 it's uh, it's got to be three times more than the Tour de France, and I Seriously? have no idea, oh, I have literally no, I- they are all Italian men in their early 60s, uh, mostly completely bald, and I have no idea what any of them do, With the except, save for about three or four of them, yeah, but I nod at them because I've been doing yeah. this for a number of years now, and like, ciao, 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 va bene, come stai, and all this sort of thing, <laughs> we have that, but that I don't know what they do, David, uh. but, but they all drive around in hire cars with stickers on right that we have to nice. put our own stickers on the car so the Giro d'Italia every year has a huge contract with a rental company and up every year I've been doing it I've been doing it four or five years it's been avis yeah okay. big pucker, international brand yeah. normally no problems with the cars yeah but that contract has run out now so they've done a <laughs> they've uh, is done this a what deal happened to you in sicily so this is our first experience of the of the new company they've done a deal with. Yeah, it's an Italian hire car company called Noleggiario, nole 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 which means oh God. To, to hire a car to hire. That's what it means. Right. Um, but their <laughs> their office, they're the ones like when you go into an airport and you pick up a hire car. You've got a navette last, that's like. Do you know what I like mean? Like they're like, they're, they're, they're oh, they're the, in yeah. terminal two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so they're, they're a bit like that right and also our first one in sicily just broke down okay and also as matt stevens very articulately put like it didn't feel like a higher car at any point it felt like your mate dave had just led you a car <laughs> do you know what i mean so like b- slightly sort of biscuit biscuit crumbs and dog hairs all sort of like gathered around the the, the... anyway so knowledge um so this army of RCS officials, and I genuinely mean hundreds of people, have to pick up hire cars at the beginning of three weeks of racing and then drop them all in Rome at the end. Okay, um, and o- they've only just found out that Noligiari don't have a branch in Pescara, which is the nearest town to the start. Oh no! They just don't. They just don't have one, and they didn't oh, think of asking. No. So everyone involved in the race has to pick up hire cars from all across italy oh of course cause they won't have enough in one spot anyway no. <laughs> <laughs> so i've got to fly not to pescara but i've got to fly to rome and then and on my own pick up hire cars picking up people all, all the way on it's just brilliant oh, it's just good awesome. but i'm so for that reason i'm having to go a day earlier um and then and then on the thursday nights there's the team presentation as is quite standard now, it's not on the eve of the yeah. race, is it? It's two, two, two days mm. before the race, um, and this is the other little detail that's emerged just recently. I I have to commentate on the team presentation, <laughs> right? What, but from, normally from your position, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, like wow. doing the Eurovision Song Contest. You know, Hooray. I have to stand there at the back and commentate on like on Ant- oh, and wow. Anthony McCrossen, ladies and gentlemen, coming onto stage and all this sort of thing. Um, but but <laughs> matter. Yeah, it's really weird. But I normally do this with Matt Stevens. But bec- obviously there's like a yeah. commentary pairing. But Matt because of Brexit, now he's got he's got a British passport. I've got an Irish passport. So he's got this British passport. He has to be really careful about the number of days that he spends in the European Union because if he overstays his, he's already clocked up a lot, you know, and he's about to do the whole giro and he's oh, he's scheduled wow. to do the Tour de France and the Tour de France Femme for Eurosport. So um, he's trying to restrict every single possible moment the number of days he spends in the European Union. So he's not arriving until the Friday night. <laughs> so I have to do the whole of the team presentation on my own. <laughs>
1: oh, no. That's going to be horrible. Yeah, it will be a bit.
0: But I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to the race because... I know you love Ro- it. And also this year, with respect to previous editions of the, the race, the last three or four years, this year, it, it's got hitters, hasn't it? It's really got oh, hitters. Oh, it's going to be
1: a... F- Insane race this year. I was thinking I about mean, that today, actually, when I was watching my podcast. So RTS must be so happy yeah. that they've got these, like the world champion and Roglic, and Roglic, like the two yeah other biggest names in the sport actually coming to Giro again. Giro needs this big time as well. Yeah, it and needs and,
0: it. and and with all the- c- And the, Teo on form. Teo, so that's interesting. Ineos with Teo, Gegenhart on, in it, the form of his life. I mean, yeah. he's riding better. By when some distance Jira. now than when he won the Jira. Oh, yeah. Simpler, simple as. Um, and Geraint Thomas just building slowly. Uh, and don't forget, you know, this is a Giro that absolutely is tailor-made for Geraint Thomas. You know, there's 70 plus um, kilometers of time trialing. Not that that won't suit Remco even though That's to say. <laughs> but but my, my suspicion is that Thomas will be just like his last Tour de France podium. It'll be like, he'll just be in a little race of his own. Yeah, he'll be clearly better than all the riders battling for fourth and oh fifth. yeah, he'll just be there and and, away. and there, but it'd be some distance behind Roglic and Ivanapool, and he'll just be doing his thing. And, that's got to be
1: so weird, just going into the race knowing that's what you're going to be doing. <laughs> just
0: stick in, con- stuck in constant shaspatat. I think so, don't you? Yeah. But what will be interesting about that is how Ineos. Uh, h- how they're able to exploit the fact that they've got two yeah. riders, you know, very different riders, but two riders in quite good form. So oh, okay. yeah. and are we could,
1: and we're going to get more um because I really enjoyed your uh, Sicily adventure. Are we going to get more well, chats? I think Stevens i than you on the road. I think
0: what I think what we're going to do is we have just proven. You know, I was, did a podcast yesterday with Pete because didn't know what you were doing, and anyway, we were we were in the same room, so we might as well. Um, and then Pete's on the road somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, he's driving at the moment as we speak from Munich to Brittany. On his own. Wow, he's working so hard at the moment. It's, it's crazy. So it's going to be tricky. Um, I mean, it's going to be next to impossible, I suggest, to get mm. all three of us yeah. on on a line every day. Isn't going to happen. I think, hopefully, David, there'll be days where you, you and me can talk like this. Yeah. There'll be days when I, I can maybe just do a thing with Pete. Mm. Um, but I'm, we're going to offer content every day at the Giro. Sometimes it'll be in the mornings. Sometimes it'll be later on in the day. Uh, sometimes it'll just be, just be me. But I'm also going to dragoon um chat stevens i'm just yes. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pay him anything no um well, because we don't I pay really. ourselves <laughs> anything um so uh, just not, part, yeah part of the, part i might the deal. yeah yeah part of the deal yeah. so uh, i he, he loves to chat so uh, uh, we'll i think it'll be brilliant
1: i think it'll be brilliant just getting so
0: it's code. gonna be a bit f- free form but daily yeah. Ned on be daily tour. yeah but there'll be some stuff net yeah, on giro. I'll, yeah i am yeah. looking forward to it i love it <laughs> bloody, i bloody love it Oh, so no. lucky to so lucky to do this job, David. <laughs> I thought oh, we could call it the Nero. The Nero the Nero. The
1: Nero. 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 Yeah, I think it will be brilliant. I know you love it. And I love the fact you love Italy so much.
0: I'm I'm turning that way. Not quite as much as Rob Hatch loves it, but I do love I do love yeah, I do love it. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, all right then. Very well that good. was an unexpected pleasure. I enjoyed that. Um and yeah. uh, uh um, there was almost some content there as well. Yeah, well, some bike racing. Bike racing. All right. See you soon. Bye. Bye.